Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. All right, well, we wanted to move on to uh, getting into talent identification. Um, I think for all coaches at all levels, it's something we're trying to get better at. And yeah, I know it's something you have a lot of experience with. So I um, also want to kind of bridge the topics of leadership and talent identification. And I guess just wondering, is that something is, do you look for leadership in players during the scouting process? Um, do you have like a certain number? Or we want this many leaders to bring in. Is that, I don't know, is that something that crosses your guys' mind? Yeah. Again, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of every draft, but leadership's traits are something we certainly look for. Um, as a separator and players, you know, you're going to have players on the board with similar abilities. So the guy with the, you know, we call it makeup, you know, your personality, character, how you compete um, on the field. Um, those are priorities. If a guy's a leader and it's more of a cherry on top. Um, and a lot of times it's in those positions like catcher and shortstop, uh, the middle of the diamond guys, you, you really want leadership traits in those guys. But at the end of the day, you're, you're taking the guy you're sure can hit or throw strikes and be a starting pitcher. Um, so it's a separator more than something that's like, okay, we need seven leadership guys in this draft. You know, we never gauge it like that. It's, it's, it's hopefully a trait that that player has. And if they don't, we just know that they, they're not. So our once, you know, a huge piece is from the draft to when we move these guys to player development, our player, our PD guys need to know how to coach the player. So if he is a leadership guy, we're going to make sure we, give him chances to do that and lead and, and show out that way. And if not, you know, there'll be less pressure to do that. So they come in all shapes and sizes, you know, especially in baseball, you know, you could be Altuve or Aaron judge and everywhere in between, they all, they don't all look the same or act the same. And um, so it, it's really difficult. It's different than other sports and, you know, you it's volleyball or NFL or, you know, you have to have certain, phys, you know, character traits physically, but baseball is just wide open because they can look, a lot of different ways. And I know identifying leadership can be tough and it kind of comes in different forms and maybe there's more of a, a silent leader that's kind of hidden in a player. Um, have you found anything effective for identifying that this guy is, you know, a leader? Yeah. I mean, it's usually two types, right? There's a lead by example guy who's just going to show up to the park. He's going to do his job. He's going to be a steady pro uh, and go about his business the right way. Is he going to, and you know, I look at that guy, like, that's like Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer just showed up every day, hit 320 in his sleep. It was a great player, right? Now, guys like Torrey Hunter with those bigger personalities, you know, extremely competitive, um, outspoken. He was like that in high school. Like, they don't, they don't change a whole lot, um, even as they mature. Their swings don't change a lot. There's so many things that you go back and see tape of, if you watched Alex Rodriguez in high school, he would look, pretty say he's a skinnier, but he had the same swing and the same approach, the same style and charisma. Those things are already, they're already there. Now it's a matter of nurturing those things and bringing those things out in people. But so there's different ways to get to a leadership position on a, on a team. Um, it's really a lot easier when you're a really good player because you can say all these things to your teammates and then go out and do it. Um, so some guys are just a little more, introverted some some are extroverts but you can lead both ways no question do you do you go back and look at some of the maybe the legends or some of the best twins like a tory hunter do you go back and look at like what were they like in All high time. school so, yeah really oh that's interesting 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll look at those all the time. I mean, there's this grainy footage, like the Zapruder film of like Bo Jackson and guys like that. And they look pretty much the same, you know, they're they're obviously their skills have been built out, but they always had tools and physiques and bodies. And you can watch Ken Griffey video on in high school in Ohio and he looks pretty much the same, you know, they don't change a whole lot. Thankfully our, our jobs hard enough anyway, if they did change, but um glad they don't at least it gives us a chance yeah so it, it seems like uh identifying talent you know it's filled with i think you had said there's you know we have lots of biases and probably traps you can run into what are some of the most common things that can distract you from noticing talent versus maybe just something that's flashy yeah i mean there's a lot of guys that can really look good they look like the best player on the field before the game starts and you know we're there three hours before the game start and we're watching them move around and take batting practice and infield. And you can say that's the guy right there at shortstop, but then the game starts and things fall apart. Um, they don't look the same. They, they can't compete at the level they need to. Um, so looks can be deceiving. Um, we talk, we talk a lot about um, stealing from the book blank, you know, the thin slicing and the thick slicing, you know, trusting your gut, but knowing that you might be wrong. So follow that up with, building evidence to, to prove your point is kind of how we go about it. Cause you want that first impression. This guy looks like Derek Jeter. Um, okay. Now, now he's got a bad swing and he can't throw and he can't run and okay. But I, at least I started out from the positive place there with the player. So um, there's a lot of fool's gold out there as we call it um, guys that look the part. Cause you can have a perfect swing um, that you learned in the cage and, and not be able to hit at all. Some guys are really good hitters with bad swings. So you have to see the player play a lot um, uh, on the position side. And, and um, so, yeah, there's lots of ways to go wrong. I think another thing in, in baseball is it used to be, you had to compare every player you saw to, okay, what's the major league comparison. Um, so every, so now every six, six left-handed college pitcher looks like Chris sale because Chris sale has been the guy he's gangly and he kind of throws sidearm. So, not every guy's going to be Chris Sale. So you have to be careful with your, okay, this guy sounds like, you know, he's Pete Rose or something, but if the guy can't play, you got to come off of that. So, but we used to like throw, try to compare every player to a major league player that's been there before. And I think that's dangerous because you can get anchored to that um, and maybe miss on the evaluation. Yeah, that makes sense. How much of uh, the scouting process is analytic driven versus character driven? Um, I think by and large, it's it's tool driven. You need the ability to play the game. Um, character is important. It's, it's important to the twins. It's important to most organizations now. Um, you don't need a guy who could be the governor of California one day if he can't play. You don't need a good guy. You just need a guy who's got who wants to be there wants to compete, can handle adversity, all those things that you're looking for that most big leaguers possess, they have those traits. Um, the analytics is a, has just kind of evolved into it. It's more information for us. It's more, it makes us more intuitive with our decisions. Um, we have a decision-making model that we use uh, that kind of helps us align our draft board. Um, and it, it pulls in, it's going off of our historical entries and our evaluations that we put in before over the last 20 years. So it's driven by the scouts. It's driven by talent, ability, skill level. Um, and then character is something you want to be sure of. 
because the guy could have all the tools in the world. Um, but if he's only playing baseball because his dad wants him to, or his mom wants him to, uh, there's some other outlying things that aren't really going to help hold him up once he gets to pro ball, because it's very tough to get to the big leagues. And it's even harder to stay there. Um, you've got to try to pinpoint those things before you pick that player. I, I wanted to go back to the, um, the question again on like looking at old film. I'm curious, to, like maybe some of the players, not so much the legends, but the players who maybe were missed. Like, do you ever go back and look at them? I think like, I remember like Mike Piazza, wasn't he like a super, like, you know, some of these guys were like undrafted, but ended up, yeah. you know, being big time. Do you, ever, do you ever go back and see like, why was this person missed? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of guys like that in the draft. Um, sometimes players just don't look the part and, and when they don't, um, you know, it's hard to digest as a scout because you're, you're trained to like see things the way they're supposed to look like. And when they don't, a good example is maybe uh, Hunter Pence. Um, nothing pretty or classic about how he swings the bat, throws the ball, runs. Um, it's a little bull in a china shop, right? But he always performed in college. Um, he was always a good player. He just didn't look right. Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite player I ever scouted was Dustin Pedroia, who when you go to see him, he looks like the team manager, right? <laughs> he swings really hard. He swings not mechanically correct, but if you, but if I, and I loved watching him, I loved going to watch him play at the park because every day he made a, either a great play or he had three hits somehow every day. He didn't have two bad games in a row and he just willed himself to be a great player. So if I'm the scouting director, I come watch Dustin Pedroia one day. I'm not probably going to be very impressed because he doesn't look like a great player. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look like a future MVP, right? Right. at all there's nothing about him that says that so um you've got to sometimes be able to get past, and if you watch him on video to your point john you're really not going to be very excited because he yeah. just doesn't look like much um yeah. so video really for us is a compliment to our on-field in-person evaluations you want to be there to see the guy get off the bus how he's interacting with his teammates what he's doing on deck uh to pre prepare for his at bat his bullpen work how he goes about his business. You can see so many more things about how a guy's wired than just watching tape only. So um, we really start with our in-person stuff and being at the park, you can't really replace it at the amateur level. Um, but video has been a huge tool to help us complement our opinion and help us build conviction in the player. How do you value the, uh, maybe a player who's you see is more consistent versus a player that does have those really exciting moments? Um, do you think of them as having a higher ceiling eventually? Or like, I guess, how do you rank those two things? Yeah, you, you're always folding risk into the equation. Um, let's say you're comparing four or five different uh, hitters in a, in a draft. One guy's a sure thing. One guy's the upside play where if it all clicks, he's going to be the better player. Now he might not get to the big leagues either if he doesn't hit like we think he could, but he could, because in the draft, you're trying to get, if you look at the world series, you know, the Dodgers and the Rays had impactful players. They didn't have a bunch of solid, regular everyday big leaguers. They had, you know, every pitcher that came in there was throwing 99 and all their hitters are really good top to bottom. The Dodgers lineup is incredible, right? So they didn't have a bunch of average play. They had above average players. So you're trying to balance that out between shooting the moon on this player uh, Mike Stanton was like that in, in, in high school, he could hit him a mile, but he swung and missed quite a bit. And, 
And so that's why he went in the second round and said, if he should have been the first pick, if you go back, right. Um, there was risk there and you have to find those spots to take that risk on the player because you're going to be drawn to that everyday certain guy, but he may not help you in the playoffs and win the world series, which is what every team's trying to do. So it's, it's a, it's tough. And those are the tough conversations in the draft because there's a sure thing versus the, maybe he's a hall of famer. If he hits, you don't want to miss out on that, but you also don't want to whiff on that guy and not miss the sure thing. So that, that you have those conversations every draft. I can imagine. Yeah. And I wonder if how much it varies sport to sport. I mean, I think of like what Tom Brady was undrafted and Jamarcus Russell was number one, which it seems like yeah. Tom Brady's a consistent guy and Jamarcus Russell was like, there's all this upside. I yeah. Just, I can't imagine the decisions you guys have to make. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're difficult. That's a, that's a great, I mean, Jamarcus Russell, that was amazing tools, amazing ability, star potential. It seemed like maybe he wasn't wired to be that guy. Um, in the end, and maybe you just missed on the personality and the background information. Um, but, you know, you make those decisions at the time and you live with them and those are hard. I'm sure yeah. whoever took the, the people that took Jamarcus Russell are probably still losing sleep on that. So yeah. they can really weigh on you. It's, it's a, it's a pretty heavy decision. Yeah, I can imagine. So then uh, let's go back to the character. You're touching on some of that. Um, what, what are some of the character qualities that you guys value with the twins? Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's no substitute for how a guy plays the game, how he goes about his business when he's, and, and we want guys that are going to compete. I think that's, that's probably number one um, because you've got to, you're going to have some rough days at the park. You're going to have a rough month at the plate. You're going to have a couple starts where you get lit up and, and don't get out of the first inning. How do you going to, how are you going to respond to that? So guys that compete and can overcome adversity um, is really important. Um, because you can, you, you can get fooled sometimes again, like we, you know, we have our guys meet with the players, the high school players were going into their homes on a, you know, a non-pandemic situation to get to know their families and their background and, and why they play the game. The why they play the game is really important to me um, and our group. Uh, we want guys that are focused on the game, focused on baseball, focused on learning. Um, we have so many, we have this huge buffet of tools in our player development that you know, whether it's strength training um, or rewiring a guy's arm action, how he throws the ball. Um, there's so many things we can do with these players to enhance them. But if they don't have the right mindset where, you know, they think they have it all locked up and they, they know everything, um, that can be tough. But I think as you're seeing technology just continue to get infused into the game and in, in every sport, um, more of these kids that are coming up are more used to seeing data in the batting cage and they see, they get all these different things that they give them instant feedback. And so they almost expect it now. Um, they want someone to help them explain this information and make them better. And we have, you know, we have the player development that can do that. Um, really one of the best in the game. What's a good answer you've heard to that question? Why do you play the game? Um, I can't give you a specific one, but. Yeah, what, what do you like to hear um, yeah, that maybe tells you this is the kind of player we want? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, they're just basically telling us that they love to be at the park. They love to be with their team. We prefer that they're good teammates and, and again, leaders um, on their high school team. They should, you know, have some leadership capability. But um, it's really just a, a will to compete, a will to drive, a will to beat people um, and win. You know, I, I think 
not every kid says that there's a lot of different answers you get, but um, it's really, you can kind of get the takeaway that this guy gets it. He has a feel for the game and he has instincts that we can't teach him. Um, and, you know, we should never try to take a player and give him those instincts. A lot of guys are just kind of born with that and you see it. You want to see what they say, if that matches what they do in the game. And a lot of times it does. And when it doesn't, that's a red flag, but when those things match up, that's really the track we're going down. Yeah, this is a big part of college recruiting. I think of, you know, getting a family and, um, you know, an athlete on campus. And I think what I feel like happens a lot is they kind of say what you want to hear. Um, Correct. And I guess it, I'm curious, but, you know, and we have this like maybe one day to get to, you know, interact with them. Do you have ways to like cut through the crap or like kind of <laughs> get to the bottom of it? Yeah, we spend a lot of time. We actually spend a lot of time cutting through the crap. Uh, we, you know, all these players, pretty much every player in the draft has an agent of some sort. And a lot of times they kind of have been told what you're going to hear from these scouts, what they're going to ask you, how you should respond. And they say a lot of the same things, much like a, a, a recruit would on campus. It's the same thing. So we really do a lot of background work and we call it 360 work. We're, we're talking to pretty much everybody except the player and their parents about the player. Um, and we try to get some signal there as to who they really are when no one's looking, when no one's around. So if it's talking to a high school principal or a counselor or their summer ball coach, um, preferably people who are less invested in them getting paid and starting their career, people who have, don't care if they go to LMU or, or Pepperdine, right? We want to know who they really are. So we do a lot of, we spend a lot of time, our area scouts do a great job of asking around, asking questions, talking to people at the game when they're watching them play. Hey, you know, so-and-so, yeah, great kid. Okay, tell me more. Um, we really do a lot of that um, to try to get get to the the real truth because you can really get fooled on that. You know, everyone's putting their best foot forward on that recruiting visit or in that in-home visit. Um, so it's getting past that, I think, is where you can really do a good job. And I guess, what do you do, uh, what do you look for when evaluating to ensure that players have those qualities, that they are competitive? Um, you mentioned kind of like how they maybe they respond after a, a slump or an error. Like, what do you look for? Yeah, another thing we do is, you know, there's fewer and fewer multi-sport athletes playing baseball and they're in our draft now. So, you know, things are becoming so specialized. But whenever we have a chance to go see a guy play basketball or, or play quarterback on their high school team, we'll go watch those guys play. We want to see them, how they interact, how they compete, um, all those things kind of hopefully marry up with what we're seeing on the baseball field. But um, again, talking to other people and other people that have coached and touched the player, strength coach, uh, trainers, whoever, um, do the digging we need to do to try to make sure that matches what our eyeballs see at the park. That's really cool. That's so thorough. And, and I love this 360 idea. I'm going to keep that in mind. And you might have answered this because I, I think some of the things you've said are maybe out of the box, but I was reading, uh, I think there's a quote online, it was describing you as out of the box thinking when it came to drafting. Do you have, uh, uh, why do you think someone would say that, that why you're, you're innovative? Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know if I'm so much outside the box. I think I really spend a lot of time challenging status quo. I think that's important. Whether you're Alabama football or you're at the bottom of the big West, like you should always be wondering 
how can you do things better? How can you improve your process? Um, good process equals good outcomes. And that's how we look at things. So whether it's a small thing like adjusting our grading scale um, or how we go about interviewing people um, and being thorough with that, like how do we, how do all the small little details, I think all the good programs, the good organizations, the attention to detail is there and the habits are there. So um, I really think more than not getting outside the box and just constantly thinking about different ways to approach things and different way to handle things and, and look at a draft board. Um, and some of those things are bad, really, really bad ideas, but some, uh, it just takes one good one, right. To kind of move things forward. So you can't ever have that one good one. If you're not thinking about things and, and, you know, spitballing with your colleagues and, and asking for ideas. And that's really kind of our environment now is, okay, what's the next thing? How can we, how can we, you know, pick out starting pitching better than we're doing now? What are what are we missing? So keeping that in the conversation from time to time, it's not every day where it's like annoying, like, okay, Sean, get it. You know, we're trying to do something different. It's, it's, it's here and there, you pick your spots, but um, I think keeping people moving forward and learning and, and trying new things and encouraging people to make mistakes, I think is important. So then um, there's another one that's a big part of college coaching that I want to improve at is kind of evaluating your, your track record on recruiting or scouting. I feel like right now I just kind of uh, make an excuse like, uh, you know, I got unlucky with that one, but how, how can you, <laughs> yeah. uh, how can you make sure you're actually, you know, getting good feedback and learning from, from the process? How many, uh, so question, how many people, when you go to recruit a player, how many different coaches or staff members go see the player play? Oh, for us, we're only allowed to have two. So it's a small <laughs> two. People. So, yeah. So yeah. it's just you and someone else. So yeah. are you, do you guys use a scale? Or do you use, yeah, do you grade okay. them out? So to speak, like, much like we do, everything's a two to eight scale on our, is what we use. Yeah. We have like a one through five. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do you record, I mean, do you make record of that or do you keep that or to, no? Cause I think you want to look back on it. Like, yeah. What'd you think before you got them? Maybe the first, after the first year when they're there, I mean, you figure out right away, right? If that, if you made a mistake pretty quick, right? Yeah. And then, by the time they left, how did they improve? What traits did they have that allowed them to do that? And then who got worse when they got here? And what were their characteristics and, and personality? What, what caused that to happen? But I think getting as many people involved, and I don't know if you can have people have opinions just off video or um, the more inputs you can get, I think, I, I, I truly believe in the wisdom of the crowds. I think that's um, a really important, it's a great book and, and it's a really good thought. Like you want a lot of opinions, um, having 10 opinions about that player, you're going to recruit. If you can get them, even if they're people who maybe have less of an eye for it than you do, they might see something that you're missing and they might also might support your thoughts. So if you just have two people, I mean, I know most college sports are like that. There's a recruiting person. Yep. Um, it can be hard, but there's ways I think you can, Hey, rank these five different videos here and put them in order. And it might be the trainer. I don't know. You know, it could be anybody, but, um, but having those opinions kind of checks yourself before you just leap right in on a player. So, yeah. Uh, that's, I might start sending you some film if uh, you're up for Yeah. It. Send them over. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, um, do you, do you associate with like, I mean, at our events, there's like lots of college coaches. Like, do you, like, would you ask uh, someone, you know, I don't know from, the Dodgers, like, hey, what do you think? 
Yeah, there's there's a little I mean, I'm sure it's the same way in the college ranks where you're all sitting at the same court, right? Watching the same players. Yep. yep. You're you're trading information and talking about players, but on that kind of high level, right? You're not gonna say, Hey, worry about so and so's parents, they're tough or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it, but you have your inner circle that you trust and mm-hmm. there's certain college coaches that you interact with more than others, I'm sure. Um, so you need that information. It's good to trade that information. I'm not, I'm not giving away my opinion a lot of the time, but uh, we, I mean, we see our, we see other scouts from other teams more than we see our families at certain points of the year. So it's good to have that interaction and, and trade information when you can, but obviously keep it at a high level. Yeah. I thought it was really um, helpful hearing how you evaluate your own scouting history and stuff. Has there any, been anything that comes to mind that you've learned or changed based on looking back at it? Yeah. So like the last thing we're, last thing we're doing is building out in our wonderful computer system that houses all of our information and data, being able to give scouts. Um, you can go back to my draft list from 2007 and I can see who actually played in the big leagues, who was, who was an all-star? What was their career war? Um, where did I have them on my list? So just because if you just keep drafting and it used to be draft them, sign them, and then move on. And I think we've gotten a long way, a ways away from that. Um, we want to be thoughtful about why we made this decision. Let's revisit this situation in the first round. Well, who else would we have taken it? Who else could we have taken if it, the board fell a different way? But constantly thinking about those decisions we make and, and kind of practicing in them and reliving them from time to time um, is really helpful moving forward because you're just trying to eliminate making that same mistake twice um, as best you can. It's, it's difficult, but I think being mindful of it and not a lot of scouts get, you know, you can get people uncomfortable because it's like, you're trying to show me if I did a good job or not. And it's really just, Hey, this is your list. And this is how the board fell. And this guy ended up being way better than this other guy. And you had him four rounds apart on your draft list. What did you, what did you maybe miss? Let's just talk about it and have a conversation about it. So I think if you just keep going, like in college, if you just kept recruiting and you had good teams and bad teams, and I think you need to know what you're looking for and try to get it. And if you're not getting it, where where are you missing and what's, what do you need to change in your approach and, and what you're looking for? Cool. And John mentioned his one through five, um, grading scale. Do you have a, can you share with us how you grade players in your system? Yeah. So in most teams do it either a two to eight or a 20 to 80 scale where um, a a five or a 50 is the major league average. So eight is the very best, the Mike Trouts, uh, the Derek Jeters. um, And it applies for all the tools. So it's hit power, run, throw and field. Those are the five main staple tools that you need to be able to play the game. So then you layer on instincts and feel and makeup and personality and all those other things layer on top of that. Those secondary traits really propel you to being a very, very good player, a great player, a Hall of Fame player. You could have really good tools, but not have the right makeup to support it. And you're not going to be that project that to be that player you should be based on your ability. So um, most players we go see in the amateur market, college, college games you go to, you're using a lot of fours and fives and sixes. They're kind of all in that middle part. So when you see an, an 80 runner, which is uh, Byron Buxton, guys like that, that can just fly, you, it's very rare to see that tool. So um, our scales, you know, you kind of use the middle a lot and it's, there's not a lot of separation in these players. 
especially after the first round. Uh, first and second round is the second round of the drafts, usually players that could be first rounders, but there's a little more risk. Like I mentioned, Stanton is a good example. Um, and then it just kind of trickles down from there and it gets really flat. The first round is there's a couple maybe star guys in the first one or two or three spots. And then it kind of flattens out as you go down. Um, so again, there's, you know, different people like different flavors of ice cream and it's it, you, not every draft room has the same 30 players in the same order. It won't happen um, because of bias, because of different opinions and the days you were there and the good evaluations you might've seen or the really bad game you saw the guy have, it, it can get in the way. So, yeah. but that's it in a nutshell. And how do you factor in, I guess, competition level? Um, if, if you're crunching the numbers, maybe you're looking at college kids that play for different conferences and stuff. Yeah. So in baseball, you've really seen like the power five. Uh, the SEC is the king of college baseball, no question. Um, they're producing the best players. So if a guy has a really good season in the SEC, um, that usually holds up pretty well in, in a draft room. Um, you've seen that the last several years. It's It's been heavy ACC, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12. Um, that's where a lot of the good players are coming from, from the college ranks. But there's always going to be that guy from Miami of Ohio or – you know, Stetson or you, you name it, they come from all different places because these players are in, you know, they're developing at different rates and some guys pop after they get to college and they weren't super famous out of high school and now they've become something or they start throwing 10 miles an hour harder somehow. So you have to be able to navigate all those different things and how, you know, guys projections and how they evolve through college. And then there's a the high school group that those guys are just really advanced um, physically, mentally, they're ready to go withstand a pro season. And there's not very many of those in the country. So we, you know, we sign about a hundred high school players as an industry in the first few rounds. And then the rest of the guys go to college because really they're not ready physically or, or mentally, or they just really want to go to Stanford or LME or wherever. So there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, they're all different shapes and sizes. That's really the beauty of amateur scouting is, each player is a very individual puzzle that you try to put together and that's the challenge. And, and it's really hard. We talk about improvement um, with our staff is we're, we're, our failure rate is super high, right? Most of these guys don't become what you think they're going to be. You just have to be better than the industry. That's really what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to get off track there. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned earlier that a video can maybe be deceiving do you have any tips on how you evaluate film to not get fooled? Um, I just think you have to supplement it with the, you have to go see the player in person. I, I couldn't imagine as a college coach, and I know it's been hard the last year with the pandemic, like you might've had to like commit to a player in 10th grade or whatever, right? Because you saw a good tape. Yeah. Um, but in a, in a, in where there's normalcy in the world, I think I'm going to go see the player for sure. And I'm going to supplement my, my look that I got from being there to, you know, at the court or the field or wherever with the video, because you, there's a lot of moments the video doesn't capture that might be important to you or your program that you can't see on the tape, you know? So um, doing it off video alone, I think is really risky, really dangerous. Um, but you're just looking to, I think you want to start with your own opinion of the player and what they're going to be, and then follow it up with the video and say, yeah, this is, Cause you might see, you might've seen the best game of that player's life, right? Might have had a bunch of kills and looked really great. 
it's like, well, no, if I look at their, this tape, it's, she didn't, she's not playing like that all the time or the swing is different or whatever the sport is. Right. So you can get deceived off of just going, Hey, great tape. Let's go. Um, I, I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. It's been what we've kind of had to do. Um, yeah. There's been a dead period, but yeah. Trying to figure it out. Um, so last one we had was, um, Travis Wyckoff again was just mentioning that you're often reading. Um, you, you mentioned a book already and I forget what it was, but yeah, just any wisdom books of the you, crowd. Yeah. Wisdom of the crowd. So go check that out. Any other yeah. books you recommend? Oh man. Um, I do know that a new app that I got into is Optimize. Have you heard of that? Uh-huh. Um, it's an app and it's a, it's a subscription, um, but it's basically that one person is going through and they, they go through and break down all kinds of books about all kinds of different topics, leadership, uh, meditation, um, self-improvement, you name it. And it breaks them down into little blurbs and they do a video on it and really break down the, the bits and pieces of the, of the, uh, of the book. And what's the point is that's really what I want to read a book for is what's the point. What can I get out of this to improve myself or my staff or my family life? Um, and that, that app is really a beautiful way for me to just, you know, look at it on the, on the go or being on the road a lot. I can just open that app and get into something just to stimulate myself. So that that's one I'd highly recommend. Um, cool. I'll check it out. And you, you also mentioned uh, you've been listening to a lot of podcasts any uh, podcasts you could recommend for, for coaches or about leadership? Um, Coaching DNA, uh, Travis's podcast. I've listened to like all those. Yeah, he's great. I got to support my boy. That's Coaching really cool. for leaders, uh, Dave Stahoyak. That's my, that's another good one for me that I've, I, I love the variety of topics that they cover and um, get a lot out of that one. Awesome. Well, this was a lot of fun, Sean. We really appreciate you spending the time. Uh, I know you, you said you already get so much Zoom, and uh, but yeah, it meant a lot to learn from no, you. This is great. Get this. So yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you guys. Yeah. And then the, uh, the beach volleyball film's coming uh, pretty soon. So yeah. I'll send it you to know. your scouts. Yeah, I'll have you guys evaluate it. No, I'm just kidding. Please, please do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at, but I can give you an opinion. <laughs> <laughs>